Yes, now to the reality of how nations pay for disasters. New Zealand's exploring some innovative means in the wake of Cyclone Gabrielle, which caused massive damage throughout Northland and Hawke's Bay on the North Island. This week, the new Prime Minister, Chris Hipkins, announced a global fundraiser, a type of national crowdfunding to help pay for the rebuild. He appealed to Australians and Kiwi expats in the hope they could raise similar amounts to that raised in 2011 after the Christchurch earthquake catastrophe. Now, in this globalised world, with citizens fanning out everywhere, is this a clever new approach, particularly given inflation and interest rate rises, domestic uh, challenges, in other words, that are starting to really bite citizens at home? Dr Ilan Noy is joining us now on Saturday Extra from Wellington. He's the inaugural chair of the Economics of Disasters and Climate Change at the Victoria University of Wellington. Good morning, Ilan. Kia ora. Uh, Look, I don't know whether the sheer size of this disaster uh, um, sort of has continued to ram home to Australia, which has prompted the unusual nature of this appeal. How is it still being discussed in New Zealand? So the appeal... First of all, let me point out, is probably more of a distraction than anything else. Even if you look at the Christchurch earthquakes on which this is modelled on, the amount of money generated by a similar appeal in Christchurch was significantly less than 1% of what the New Zealand government uh, ended up spending on the Christchurch rebuild. So it's it's nothing but a distraction. But I think it's also... There's an element that, of, of, uh, that is misleading in this kind of global appeal, and that is, um, first of all, it, it sort of assumes that we know how much the recovery will, will cost, and I don't think we know that. Um, we know it will cost billions. But I think the, the more important way in which, in which it is misleading is to argue that New Zealand doesn't, can't afford to rebuild itself without International well, that is the clear that, impl- that is the clear implication. Yes, and I, I would strongly dispute that implication because I think New Zealand is a wealthy country. Um, we have very low debt. Um, we can easily afford to rebuild and to make sure that no one um, ends up, you know, hungry or wet or cold or without a without a roof because um, because of resources. Um, used by the government. The government has plenty of resources to make sure that the rebuild is done um, well. Um, so it, it offends, it offends you path, as an economist, does it? It, do, it does offend me a bit as an economist that, that we, we seem to suggest that we, don't, we can't afford this. <laughs> uh, and we certainly can. I mean, re- reconnecting communities and repairing roads seems to be the immediate uh, response at the moment. But I think this next part of it probably would appeal more. But they're also making assessments, are they not, about the communities, homes or businesses that probably should not be rebuilt. I mean, that is a very interesting takeout from all this, given, you know, what, we, what we're told is going to happen with climate change. Or if they do, how could they be re- rebuilt differently? Now, is this a useful strand to the conversation? So this is this is a really crucial uh, point. Let me just maybe correct your language a little bit. Uh, we're not told that this is what's happening because of climate change. We know and we see it all around us. So climate change is changing the frequency and intensity of extreme weather events. There is little doubt about it. Um, and we see it all around us. Um, and, and you see it in Australia, we see it here in, in Aotearoa, and you see it almost everywhere else. 
Um, so we know that these the, that the patterns of these events is changing, and that suggests that some communities might no longer be um, sustainably man, maintained in the places that they are because the risk is changing. Uh, and in some places it becomes too um, too expensive or potentially too dangerous to keep pay people in the same in the same place. So what we have learned for you know one one example here is that, when you try to protect people from um, riverine flooding, so you know mm. when the river is slowly tops up because there's a lot of rain upstream, um, you end up doing that with top banks, and those top banks, when they fail, um, change the risk to become life-threatening. Um, so before that, riverine floods, when you, we tr we just lived with riverine floods, where they were not really a big uh, threat to life. But because we build stop banks and they fail sometimes, then that becomes a flash flood, and and that becomes that becomes a risk to life. And yeah. we don't, we yeah. shouldn't want to tolerate that risk to life. Well, certainly we're going through a similar conversation with right. our Northern Rivers area of um, yes. of Australia. But that does in they're, they're very big questions about how you deploy national funds, citizens' funds who don't live there. <laughs> in terms of, of uh, assisting people to maybe move and changing whole areas of life. Now, is that a debate that is being had in New, in New Zealand in the wake of this? Yes, definitely. Um, so here there, there's a... <clears throat> I think there is very... There is not much... There is widespread acknowledgement that some communities may need to may need to relocate or what sort of we, we call manage retreat in, in, from places where, where it's no longer... Um, <clears throat> the risk is too high. And actually, we have f almost daily reports in the papers, um, interviews with people who say that they want to be bought out by the government and they want to move on because they no longer feel safe and secure uh, in the place that they are. Okay, so there is widespread acknowledgement that there is a need to do that. There is a, there is a problem, and that is that we need to actually define clearly who needs to be relocated. Um, and that takes a bit of time. And, and on the other hand, people want to know whether they can rebuild in the place that they are or whether they should be planning on moving. Um, so they want that decision being taken quickly. So we have a, mm. a, a trade-off here between taking that decision quickly, but, but on the other hand, not, not asking people who don't need to move to move and vice versa, not offering people to rebuild where they are and only later finding out that that was not a wise um, choice. So the, I think the main tension here <clears throat> right now is defining where we need to relocate people. There is a separate conversation that hasn't yet been really taken up, and that is how do we <clears throat> pay for this? Well, Not, that, yeah. not where, where we fund, find the funds, because the funds are available and New Zealand is a wealthy country and the government has money. But the question is, you know, do, is it fair to, to compensate people for property that they've taken in, that they've bought in risky areas and there's equity considerations on, you know, are we bailing out people who's, who have, you know, fancy cliffside properties on the coast or are we bailing out people who's relatively disadvantaged and so so forth. I just wonder so whether you need to... I take your yeah. point completely. I just wonder whether you, we are heading towards sort of different 
budgetary discussions, whether there's you know almost off-budget items which sit there to prepare for this exactly this that can be deployed fast. I mean, that seems to be what you're implying, that we're going to have to have new conversations, fast conversations that are fair, um, and we're not quite equipped for them. Yes, we're not quite prepared for that. Um, in New Zealand, we had a, a major program of, of managed retreat after the Christchurch earthquakes where we, um, the government bought out about 8,000 houses in the city of Christchurch from areas where it deemed either too costly to rebuild or um, too dangerous to rebuild. Um, and that program was actually done um, fairly efficiently and quickly um, in about three years' time. Uh, we, we bought out 8,000 properties, affecting maybe 20,000 people. Um, so it's a much bigger managed retreat program than, you know, mm. people have managed or, or most government, most, sorry, most democratic governments have managed to implement elsewhere. Um, so we, we do have some previous experience in doing it. Um, and hopefully we won't repeat some of the mistakes we have done when we have done that. Uh, previously in the Christchurch um, case, uh, but definitely there is an urgent, the urgent conversation that needs to happen on on um, first of all, how do we identify which locations are <clears throat> are need to be um, retreated, and and um, and second of all, how do we pay for it, and how much. How much should people be compensated for very, things very, like that? Very interesting. Look, uh, thank you very much indeed. Uh, that's quite thought-provoking. Thank you very much. Professor Ilan Noy, Inaugural Chair in the Economics of Disasters and Climate Change at Victoria University in Wellington. Um, and a debate maybe we have to have here a bit better in Australia too. ABC RN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.